This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is John Veal. And John, it's been a pleasure to talk to you already over the phone. You, Your new book, Supernaturally Delivered, in your brand new CD set that you did with us, this is really impactful because it talks a lot about what is on the other side of spiritual warfare. In other words, there's angels, there's a the Holy Spirit, there's a move of God, but then there's other things behind uh, that that we're not fully aware of, the demonic. And, and, and you even talk about haunted houses and ghosts, which there's no such thing as that, which you make clear. It's all evil spirits. But you were on the other side of this. And and uh, John, you were born again, spirit-filled uh, around the age of 19, correct? Yes. You got you got on fire for God. You got filled with the Spirit. So I, I just want to jump right into this. It, you were born again, spirit-filled at a, as a teenager, but as a little boy, there was something going on in your house that you stumbled upon your mom and aunt doing at some point. What was happening? Well, at the time, I was living with my grandmother, and uh, we were in a house on in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, and. I stumbled upon them playing a game that I, I really didn't have an idea about what it was, but I noticed there were candles. The, the kitchen it was in the kitchen, so the kitchen was very, very dark, and they were messing with a triangular-shaped object, and they were moving around the board. And so I inquired, I kind of came close to them to kind of see what they were doing, and what I could see was that they were playing with a Ouija board. Mm. And what they were using the Ouija board for was to contact people that had passed away. So I'm watching them as they're playing, and I believe that my aunt went first. And so my aunt got something on the board that started to kind of move the plant, what was called a planchette, I later found out, move the triangular-shaped object around to various letters within the board. And so as they moved it to various letters, it spelled out different words. So at, at, at first, the, the questions and the responses were very innocent, innocuous. I mean, they were just basically... Uh, just very playful and cheerful. But after they played for a while, the words became more ominous. They became more dreadful and, and fearful. And so what this thing was saying, it was saying that his name was Pluto. And as they, as my aunt and mother inquired further, they come to find out that it was a devil. It was a demon in disguise. And the demon started focusing on my aunt Helen, saying that you're going to be my bride in hell. I love you. And so with that, she became very, very fearful and kind of just moved away from the board where she didn't really want to play it anymore. And it was really, really distressing for her because it really scared her. Because, one, getting something on a board and you don't really even know what it is, and you find out that it's really a demon. And that's what these boards do. That's what happens. They're very, very dangerous. And what happens is that uh, these demons impersonate other people, impersonate people through this board. And you think you're uh, talking to a deadly departed loved one, and it ends up being a demon. So they still didn't really get enough of it. So my mom ended up playing again. 
And so when my mother played on the board, it did the same thing. First innocent, playful, but then it started uh, speaking curse words through the board. I mean, it was just, it was spelling out curse words. And, and John, if I could just interrupt you, in your deliverance ministry, uh, big time, wouldn't you say that that's how the devil comes? I mean, obviously the Bible says he comes as an angel of light, but he comes all packaged in, in niceties and, and everything kind of looks good, but then he's, he hooks you. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he will always have it where it seems very innocent and, and non-threatening in order to pull you in. Once he pulls you in, he's, he's very subtle, and he'll take his time. He has a lot of patience in terms of pulling people in. He, a lot of times he plants seeds at an early age, and those seeds start to germinate. And later on you find out the person is into full-blown full witchcraft or doing something that's opposite of our Savior. And so that's exactly what he does, and that's what he did with the Ouija board. My mom thinks it was something totally innocent, and it turned out to be something totally demonic. Okay, and and so your mom, you you, you say in your book, your this spirit kind of focused on your mom, and then what was being spelled out on the Ouija board to your mom? It was the demon was saying that it hated my mother, and it went on with all kind of vulgarities and 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 profanities against my mother, and it finally told her that she'll be dead within ten years. And with that, my mom expelled the Ouija board. She got rid of it. She threw it in the garbage. But for 10 years, she was just worried and so concerned and consumed with dying at a young age. She was 26 at the time, so uh, we were looking at 36 years of age as to when she would go, according to this demon. And so when she became 36, I prayed and prayed. I said, Lord, please don't allow my mom to uh, go. Don't let her pass. And I begged God. I, I, just, I just really prayed to God about her not leaving, not dying. And so 36 came and went, thank God, and she, she still lived, and which was a blessing. And I was so excited about it. But for 10 years, she was really, really worried and concerned over the lies of the enemy, over the lies of a devil. And that was very, very bothersome. And friends, for those who are listening at home or in your car, wherever you're listening to this, you have to understand that this whole book and this whole teaching is about how to be delivered from any demonic oppression. But if you, I'm just telling you right off the bat, I'd feel to tell you that if you have a Ouija board or anything associated with a demonic witchcraft, if you have a Ouija board in your house, you have to get it out. If your children are playing with a Ouija board, if their friends are playing with a Ouija board, you have to get that mess out of your house. It is not innocent. It's completely demonic. And and John saw that firsthand. And what it does is it opens the door to demonic things happen in your house. And and in your book, John, you talk about how people go to all these other things. We need to start going to God himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is That should be our first response. A lot of times we'll go to friends, we'll go to uh, even people that don't know Jesus as Lord. We'll go and try to get advice from them, but we really, really know, need to go to God and hear God for ourselves. See, what happens a lot of times is a lot of times people pray, but they don't listen. Mm. They don't give him a time to respond. And I believe the Holy Spirit to be a gentleman. And he will wait till we finish talking, and then he'll respond. But a lot of times we'll pray for an hour, but in that whole hour we're just talking to God, but we don't give him that chance to respond. So I believe that the Holy Spirit told me some years ago, he said, I'm talking to my people, but they're just not listening to me. And so that's what we need to do. We need to take the time to listen because God is speaking, but a lot of us are not listening to because we're too engaged in talking. That's good. And and you, you had uh, many experiences in the demonic uh, growing up because of that stuff that was in your house. But tell me about that time that you walked 
you had a uh, a manifestation where you walked into the restroom and something happened. Yes, it was also in my grandmother's house. And my grandmother's house was notorious for strange occurrences. Uh, my mother's friends, my aunt's friends used to be afraid to stay there overnight because they would see things. They would see objects. In fact, my mother once saw a, a, a man looking at her while she slept on on the porch. And she got up the to go toward the man, and the man went toward the living room, and she saw uh, uh, African-American soldier in, in a uniform from way back in the past, and she said when he got to the living room, he just disappeared. So this was not unusual for things to happen supernaturally within that house. And so going back to what you were saying, when I, I was going to the bathroom, I was I was a really, really little kid, and I was going to the bathroom, and I went in the bathroom, and I was shorter at the time, so I had to reach up to turn on the light. When I tried to reach up to turn on the light, I looked and saw a figure that was darker than how dark it was in the bathroom. It, the only way I can tell this, we had glass blocked windows, and so I could see the light coming in through the window, and so I saw this figure. So I thought it was my aunt standing in front of me, so I endeavored to kind of ask. I, I called out Helen, that's her name, and I reached out to try to touch it, and my hand went right through it. And so instead of feeling a lot of fear, I felt startled. I felt, you know, kind of like in awe, like, what is this? And as soon as I tried to touch it, it turned away from me, and it went toward the bathtub and disappeared. Now, I, I stayed there for like a split second, and the spirit of fear gripped me, and I ran out of that bathroom looking for my aunt because I was so shaken up by what I had seen. And, John, you teach in your book, listen, there's no such thing as ghosts and these things that, that Hollywood tries to make light of. These are evil spirits. Yes, absolutely, they are. There are no such things as ghosts. What I believe, this is my personal belief, is that ghosts can manifest as our dearly departed beloved. They can manifest as people that have passed. And a lot of times this is because in some of these people, maybe the demons dwelt. They, they indwelt them. They, they were in them. And so when they passed away, they, had all, they have all their memories, all their experiences, because they were in them or they were around them. And so they can come to someone else and look like that person, but it's not really that person. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, it's appointed unto man wants to die, but after this to judgment. So there's no coming back. There's no uh, purgatory time. There's no time where you're just in limbo and just walk around it's either heaven or hell and so when these things come back we need to try the spirit according to the word of god and see if it's of god but if you see your great grandmother or someone that passed away appear in your room i will start rebuking them in the name of jesus because that is not who it is john you teach that demons require permission to dwell in us i mean we have to open the door uh for them to come in and mess with us is that correct absolutely absolutely uh, sometimes those doors are opened by other people. I mean, uh, sometimes I've seen it where people have dedicated people to the devil, and they've gone through so many things. Even as children, they dedicate themselves to the enemy. You have people that, that may be witches, and they go to services, to Christian services, and they're looking to pick up demons, especially a deliverance service where devils are being cast out. They will look to pick up demons to take them with them, and, and they feel like they will make them more powerful. That's why it's so important when you cast out a devil, you have to give it a, a place to go to. You don't just cast it out and it's in the atmosphere. You want to give it a place to go to. Uh, what I always say, I, I cast it into the pit. I cast it evil spirits into the pit 
one side cast them out of the person. So there, there's that way. But there's also ways of tragedies. Like if a person has gone through a really, really tragic experience, it, it kind of can open the door to demonic activity. Anger can open the door to demonic activity. The Bible says be angry but sin not because I believe anger can be an open door because if you notice, there's some people that commit crimes in a fit of anger, and you look up and you, they're asked afterwards, well, why did you commit the crime? And they end up having no idea. They don't even remember that they did it because at the one point they opened themselves up where the enemy came in and pretty much took over and then did this heinous crime, and they, they, they're looking around like, what happened? And then the enemy may leave after they did the crime, and the person left to suffer the penalty. Now, John, you also teach that willful sin can open the door to the demonic. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, when you when you willfully sin, you kind of go into Satan's territory. You start to pull yourself away from the will of God and go into his territory, because the Bible lets us know that God hates sin. God can't stand sin. So the thing about it, when we sin willfully, we'll find ourselves in environments where sin is pervasive. We'll find ourselves in clubs and, and, and drinking and doing other things where the demons have an opportunity to get in. There's a saying that says that, you know, there's a demon in bottles. And so I believe with alcohol, even with people that drink alcohol partaking it, they have a chance of opening themselves to demonic activity because the demons are around that because alcohol can cause you to act in a different way that you don't normally act in. So the thing that we have to realize and understand, it is important to stay within the will of God, go to, to the places that God instructs us to go, and stay away from places that are filled with demonic activity. That is so good. And John... And everybody that's listening, if you are in willful or habitual sin, right now you just need to repent, ask the Lord to wash you clean, get out of that junk, turn your face back to the Lord like John was talking about, get that out of your life because it's opening the door. You're wondering why you're having so many problems in your life. It's because you have a pornographic problem. It's because you have an alcohol problem. It's because you have prescription drug problem. You need to get that out of your life. So Jesus, ask him to set you free, to heal you, to deliver you, so you can stop the demonic activity in your life right now in Jesus' name. Now, John, you talk about uh, uh, demonic oppression, and you believe that sickness has its origins in the demonic. Talk about that. In my book, I talk about starving out demons. I never really heard anybody say that. But we know in the Bible, this kind of comes out only by fasting and prayer. So there is some demonic activity that fasting can address, fasting and prayer. So when I say starving a devil out or starving a demon out, I'm talking about not doing what that demon wants you to do. Because the demons look at our bodies as vehicles in order to, to, to get their pleasures or to, like, say there's a demon of drunkenness. He likes to drink. So it will get the host to start drinking a lot or a demon of drugs. It, likes, it will get the host to start doing a lot of drugs. And so that's how it gets its, its high, so to speak. So what happens is that I believe that willpower is a part of deliverance as well. If you, if you couple with prayer, of course, uh, if you pray and you ask God to strengthen you against doing what the demon wants you to do, I believe in certain cases the demons will leave. It's just like salvation. When a person first gets saved, it's like so many things fall off of them, but there may be some other things that are lingering. I call them stubborn spirits or stubborn demons that will not leave for a while. But I believe that there is that, that thing where you can just, if you just stop doing with the power and help of the, of the Lord, you stop doing certain things, I believe that you can get set free. 
from that particular thing because I believe the demons get to a point where they say, hey, I'm out of here. They're not doing <laughs> what I want them to do. That, that's so good, John. And uh, uh, now talk about sickness and demonic oppression. Okay. Well, I believe it's our will, it's God's will for us to walk in wholeness. And I believe that if we look at scriptures, we look at Luke 11 and 14, uh, this is talking about Jesus. It said, and he was casting out the devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. So that let me know kind of when I looked at that scripture, uh, we're dealing with a person, Jesus was dealing with a person that was deaf and dumb. And when he cast out the spirit, guess what? He was not deaf and dumb any longer. So that's how I kind of look at it in terms of that. And I saw another scripture in Matthew 8 and 16. Uh, he came among some people that were, many were possessed by devils. And when he cast out the spirits, that's when he healed the people. He, ca he healed the people only after he cast out the spirits. So I believe that the devil is behind most sicknesses. But I believe that he has to be cast out first before that sickness will depart. So I believe cancer is a huge spirit, a huge demonic spirit that I believe can be rebuked and cast out, the spirit of infirmity. We can rebuke it in the name of Jesus and cast it out and get it gone. I've witnessed this in my own ministry. I've seen it in ministry abroad, how people were able to cast out a devil and the sickness the person had immediately left. It was gone. They went back to the doctor. The cancer was no more. Uh, a woman of God, I even laid hands on her. She had a tumor, and I spoke and, uh, and came against the spirit of cancer. And what happened was I told her under the uh, auspices of the Holy Spirit, I said that you're going to go back to the doctor, and they're not going to be able to find the tumor. She went to back to the doctor. Two weeks later, the tumor was totally gone. They could not find it. Mm. And so that's what got me excited. And that's why I believe that we can cast out sickness in the name of Jesus because it's the spirit. And, and along that line, John, you talk about how we are to have authority in the Spirit, and you talk in your book about the authority of a believer. I want you to just talk about that for a moment, how we can develop greater authority, because, you know, you, you, you meet a lot of people in the ministry, and, and, and it seems like the devil's really beating them up pretty good, and it's like they don't have any authority to cast spirits out, to to walk and live in the authority that Jesus provided for them and to, to walk in the blood of Jesus. So how do we develop our authority in the Spirit? We develop it through the Word of God, through, through time in the Word, where we become acquainted with the Word of God. As we know Jesus, we, we start to become more confident in who we are in Him. So the thing about it, we have to understand, we, we have the authority to walk in the power that the Most High has given us. And so a lot of times we don't know that. So we know, sometimes we don't even realize all the promises that God has in his, in his Word concerning us. And a lot of times when we don't know the promise or we don't know the Word, we can't walk in the authority. So uh, Jesus said, and he said, you'll cast out demons in my name. When he, gave, when he uh, uh, just gave the uh, commission or, or instructions for us before he went out, the first thing he said was cast out devils. So we have to say what he says. We have to line our words up with the Word of God and say what he says. So when I come against the devil or demons, I cast them out in the name of Jesus. I cast them out in the authority of a believer because Jesus taught as one having authority. And if we're like him, we're joint heirs with Christ. He said, I believe in John 14, he said, we'll do uh, his, the works he did and even greater works. So if we are going to do the greater works, we must first do the works he did. 
initially. Because a lot of times we're looking to try to do greater works, but we're not doing the first works. But make a long story short, I'm just saying that we have to really, really walk in authority according to the Word of God and the authority that Christ has given us on the earth. It's so good. And John, when I talk to you and when I see your videos, uh, you carry that authority because you know who you are. And, and for those who are listening, like John said, the more you develop that identity of you are a son, you are a daughter of Jesus Christ, it's going to do something within you. So you're going to walk in authority that you never had before. And, and John, talk about your book, Supernaturally Delivered. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's a book that was really a burden upon my heart to do. Um, I'm usually into the prophetic. I do prophetic trainings and other things. Wrote a book on the prophetic. But I had this burden to write Supernaturally Delivered. And that was mainly because I wanted to continue to uh, help people get supernaturally delivered. And I have a love for people that are bound, people that are going through and don't know where to turn. I want to help them. And I really, truly believe that this book would help them. And you talk a lot about receiving supernatural deliverance, identifying and closing demonic portals, which I, I love that topic for those who are listening, how to identify and close demonic portals in your life. You may have some open that you don't even know about. You also talk about operating in the seven secrets for guarding your anointing, which is very powerful. And John, you did a three CD set for us. And in that CD set, you talk about divine wholeness. You talk about how to be delivered from the spirit of failure. You talk about the glory of God. You pray for people at the end of these. We're so thankful that you did these for us. And, and we know that so many lives are going to get touched through this offer. And John, let's get back to uh, some of your teaching a little bit. What is prophetic deliverance? Prophetic deliverance. That's one of my favorite topics. It's, how, it's really utilizing the prophetic gift. Uh, in order to see or perceive what's in a person. There have been, there have been times that I've been in front of someone ministering deliverance, and the Lord will show me things in the Spirit, and I'm able to call them out without them telling me what's going on. And it's only through the prophetic gift that's on the inside of me. So if I, if I see something, if I, I see something in the Spirit, like I may see a spirit of fear, and God will show me that spirit of fear, and I'll call it out. And a lot of times a person will start to manifest and they will start to go through the process of deliverance. And so it's so very important to see. And I really relate the prophetic gift with the gift of discernment to be able to see. But sometimes God will show me. Like I was at a service and it was a launching service. And I had just finished ministering for hours and hours and hours. I was really, really tired. I just went to support a friend. And he had us come up and, and prophesy and do all these things. And I was kind of angry because I really didn't want to do it because I was so tired. But um, I went back to sit down, and there was a young lady in the corner of the church. And the Lord started speaking to me. He said, I want you to go minister to her. I said, Lord, really? <laughs> you really want me to do this now? He said, I want you to go minister to her. So I had to be obedient to what God was telling me to do. So I went to the woman. And so God started speaking to me as I started walking toward the woman. And so the God was pretty much telling me, he said, uh, she needs deliverance. I need you to take her through deliverance. And so that's what I did. And I, I started to speak to her, and I said, do you know anything about deliverance? She said, yes. And I said, what's going on? What's, what's going on? And, and she started saying that she dealt with the spirit of pornography, which was shocking because I had never heard a woman, at least in person, say that they struggled with this particular sin. And she said, I want to get free. 
And so I started ministering deliverance and calling out spirits, coming against the spirit of lust, fantasy lust, all kind of other things. I just started calling out. She started to manifest. And next thing I know, we're on the ground. And I'm looking around for help. And there's no help. There's no one that's helping me. And so I cry out. I say, help. I just yell out, help. And so finally some people come over to me, and the, the pastor of the church is backing up, singing the blood of Jesus. He's not helping me, so I'm really upset now. But the woman got beautifully set free, and it was so awesome. But it was like just basically when I look at the prophetic, it's just listening to God and, and saying what he says. And so prophetically I was in tune with what was going on within the church. And God spoke to me and told me to do something, and I'm glad I, I was obedient because the woman got beautifully saved. Yeah, I like that, John, because instead of just trying to fumble our way through casting out devils, even though we have the authority in the blood and name of Jesus, but we can really hone in when we're hearing God's voice as we're casting these spirits out. Absolutely, and that's what's so important. I believe that every prophetic ministry should have a, a component of deliverance. I believe that it's, it's part of our makeup, it's part of our DNA, because as a prophet, I was naturally drawn to deliverance. If I can share this with you, even when I was a little kid, I mean, not that little, but I was younger, maybe 18, 19, around when I first got saved, I knew I was going to be a deliverance minister. I was reading every book I could sign on deliverance. I, I did this to the point that one day I just heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, and he said, that's enough. And I was like, that's enough. He said, that's enough. And what was happening, I was becoming unbalanced. And that's why I believe that the accentuation should be on Jesus Christ, not the devil, not demons. And so I had to learn to be balanced in terms of my approach. I believe in balanced deliverance, and I also believe in effective deliverance. So a lot of times we take so much time in deliverance, it takes all day to do, when Jesus didn't have to do that. Just Jesus said, depart, and they left. <laughs> so that's what I really want them to get in this book, how demons can just go, and you don't have to war with them all day long, all week long, all year long. We, you can utilize effective deliverance, which I talk about in my book, to get these demons to go out quickly. And I love that, because you don't hear that a lot, that Jesus told them, just go. And they went. And that's what I love about your book as well is because you talk about the basics of deliverance. You talk about some of the things that you went through, some of the pitfalls. And uh, But the book is so good at really leading and guiding you, not just if you're in deliverance ministry, but make how to make sure there's no devils in your home. And if there are, get them out. Get them out of your kids. Get them out of your family. Get them away from you in Jesus' name. And this book really helps you do that. And to take it a step further, in your book, and I love that you did this, John, in your book, you talk about how to protect your oil. What are you talking about? Just basically guarding your anointing. Another word for anointing is effectiveness. And so what happens is that you have to guard your effectiveness. I think sometimes decreeing or saying, uh, uh, telling others about your oil, your effectiveness, can cause them to find areas in, in which to attack you. If we look at Samson. Delilah wanted the secret of his anointing. In fact, she tried multiple times to get it, and he would tell her a story. He would, he would kind of lie to her and say, hey, this is this, this is that. And she would try to act upon that. That should let him know, look, she's trying to do something to me. But once he did reveal the secret of his anointing, which was in his hair, uh, she had her servants come in and cut it. And then he was blinded, his eyes were poked out, and all, he went through all kind of crazy stuff. So the thing about it is that sometimes God does not want us to let people know about our effectiveness. Because a lot of times you have some people that are not happy for you, that do not want you to be effective in terms of what God has called you to do. So in order 
to maintain that effectiveness, there may be a certain time that God will say, okay, now it's time to reveal uh, your effectiveness or your anointing. But until that time, we've got to guard it because it's precious, just like fine oil is precious. We have to guard our anointing in terms of guarding it from the enemy, and the enemy can come through people, and he will use people to do his work, try to prevent you from your mandate. So that's one of his goals and his objectives. So we have to really be careful with our oil, and we have to really protect the oil from the uh, strategies and the attacks of the enemy. And, John, in your CD set, you talk about divine wholeness. Would you talk about that just for a minute? Uh, I know they can get the CDs, but what does divine wholeness look like uh, from your point of view and how you teach it? Okay, divine wholeness is is basically— it requires a healing of the soul, okay? It, it requires a total healing. I call it completeness. We have the right to walk in divine healing, amen? Because I believe healing is the children's bread. I believe that we have a divine right to it based on the Word of God. There are so many scriptures, Isaiah 53, 4, and 5, uh, uh, in in the book of Peter, where it talks about by his stripes were healed. And so by the stripes of Jesus, he took it all upon upon himself for us. So we have uh, the ability, we have the right to walk in divine health or divine wholeness. And a lot of people don't understand that right, and they'll walk in sickness, because how can I really accomplish the mandate of God and be sick all the time? If I'm experiencing chronic sickness, maybe there's a demon behind that. Maybe there's a spirit behind that. So I believe to walk in God, to walk in the authority of God, that divine wholeness should be a, a part of your life. It should be something that you walk in. And I believe we walk in it by our confessions, by, by our professions, by our study and our closeness with Christ. If Jesus took all our sicknesses and infirmities upon himself, why do we have to walk in that? Why do we have to be sick in our bodies and not experience the divine wholeness that he meant for us? Uh, Genesis 1 and 26, he made man in his own image and likeness. So he made us complete. He made us like him. So there's no sickness in him. So why do we have to bear sickness within our body? We have to believe God and we have to hold on to the promises of God and walk in the wholeness that he has prepared for us. John, it sounds like you live a life that doesn't put up with the devil in any way whatsoever. Amen. And speaking of which, um, I love what you teach about, and, and there's a lot of people who have been here, uh, most people have felt like a failure in their life before uh, at one point or another. And in your teaching, you talk about how to be delivered from the spirit of failure. And John, there's people listening right now that feel like they failed. They failed God. They failed their spouse. They failed the call on their lives. For just a few minutes, talk about how to be Begin to be delivered from the spirit of failure. Yes. Failure is a spirit. I believe it's a spirit just like the spirit of fear. Uh, as I studied this, I found that the spirit of fear, which we can find in Second Timothy, the first chapter, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Just like there's a, a spirit of fear, there's a spirit of failure. Amen. Failure is connected to fear. Because wherever you see failure, fear is a company or fear is a part of that some type of way because fear can cause you to fail. So the thing that I look at in terms of, of failure and fear, fear will cause you not to even try. Fear will cause you not to even be in the position to fail because it will cause you to be too afraid to try. But what should happen, these two spirits need to be rebuked. They need to be 
uh, where we come against those spirits because the spirit of failure will, will linger, linger, linger for years and years and years, and you look up and you think your whole life is a failure, just like what you were saying earlier about some people that have come on. But this is a spirit that we need to come against in the name of Jesus. It cannot prosper within our lives. I refuse to give in to failure. Uh, sometimes now God will utilize failure to push you to another level, but there's a difference between God utilizing it and uh, the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is something that comes from the evil one. It comes from the enemy, and it's something that he wants to do to keep you down because once you fail, the devil will continue to talk to your mind and say, you failed, you failed, you failed. Uh, I, I think about it when my mother passed away uh, suddenly, and, and what was so ironic about that, as I mentioned before about the Ouija board, it said she would die within 10 years. And she was 26 at the time, and that would have made her 36. But she did eventually die, unfortunately, at 63 years old, which was the reverse of 36, which I felt was kind of kind of crazy. But the, it bothers me to this day. But what happened was I, I felt like a failure because I just talked to her about the Lord the night before. And when, when she passed away, uh, I tossed and turned all night, and the devil was speaking to me, speaking to my spirit, saying, uh, I killed your mother. She's, she's in hell with me. And I felt like I had failed. And I asked the Lord, I said, I need something to help because I feel like I failed in terms of her salvation because that's the one thing I, I prayed at her deathbed. I just said, Lord, if you let her live, you know, I'm fine with that. But if she has to pass, let her make it to heaven. Let her be with you, and then I can have some peace. And so what happened was I, I talked to her all night, and the devil said, you failed, you failed, you failed. Uh, but I asked God to give me some evidence, give me some proof that she's okay. And so I had a dream later on, a couple of days later, and a man of God came to me. He said, uh, the Lord told me to, to stick with you, and he also told me to tell you that your mother's okay. And so once I got that in my spirit, in my spirit, it broke the spirit of failure. I didn't fail in terms of her salvation and all the years of praying for her and, and praying that she made it to glory. But after that, I had so much peace because the spirit of failure was defeated in my life. Wow, that's so powerful. And for those of you who are listening, I just want you to get a hold of this because it doesn't matter what you've done, what you've been through. If you just reach out to Jesus, he'll forgive you. He'll wash you clean. And it's a brand new start. And John, in his teachings and in his book, he wants to teach you how to be delivered from every bit of demonic oppression that's coming against you, any warfare, how to plow through that, how to live in the light of Jesus, how to live free and in the presence of God every day of your life. John, will you pray for the people that are listening? Father God, we come before you now, and we pray for everyone that's listening to this broadcast. We come against the spirit of fear, the spirit of failure, any spirit that has them bound. Father God, I just decree and declare that this is their day of freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom from every stronghold, every demonic principality that has tried to uh, change the course of their life. They've been called to do a work for God, and yet the devil has been fighting them tooth and nail. Father God, we just thank you. We, we magnify you and thank you that they are seeing their destiny clearly now. Hallelujah. Unimpeded by any demonic forces. Father God, I come against the enemy right now that is trying to stop them, trying to keep them down. I just decree 
decree and declare in the name of Jesus, they will prosper in you, Father God. You will strengthen them. You will undergird them. You will push them into destiny. I speak even a prophetic wind. Come and start to thrust them into where they're called to be. Hallelujah. I bind the devil at every hand. Hallelujah. I just speak and declare that the people listening right now will no longer listen to the enemy's voice, telling them that they're, telling them that they're a failure, telling them that they won't succeed. I just speak and declare and decree good success within their lives in the name of Jesus about every principality, power, rule of darkness that's tried to mandate, that's tried to uh, uh, make them go in a certain direction, Father God. I say this is their turnaround season in the name of Jesus. They will start to turn around now, hallelujah, and go in the direction that you've called them to. I speak to the brokenhearted, hallelujah, the disappointed, the, dis the discouraged. I just speak to them right now, and I lose encouragement, power, and strength to you as never before. I speak in the matches and mighty name of Jesus that you are called for greatness. You are called for greater things than you're in now. Hallelujah. But I bind demonic uh, distractions, hallelujah, that come to try to get you off course, and we speak and declare in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus that the best is yet to come for your life, and I speak that the way is clear, God has made your way clear, your path straight, hallelujah, in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus, I call it so, amen and amen. Amen, we receive that. Now, you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, John Veal, and now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special offer. John Veal is fearless over the demonic and walks in a gifting that overcomes spirits of infirmity, oppression, and demonic blockages of all kinds. But his heart's desire is for you to walk in this same incredible gifting. John has written a brand new book, Supernaturally Delivered, to equip you to victoriously engage the enemy and conquer all forces of darkness at work in your life. In his exclusive three-CD set, Overcoming Spiritual Strongholds, John Veal shares on how you can overcome the spirit of failure and live in divine wholeness. At the end of each CD, John prays supernatural prayers over you to overcome spiritual strongholds and live in the abundance of all that God has promised for you. Call now for John Veal's brand new book, Supernaturally Delivered, an exclusive three-CD set, Overcoming Spiritual Strongholds, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. John Veal's brand new book, Supernaturally Delivered, an exclusive three-CD set, Overcoming Spiritual Strongholds, offer number 9665 for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. Be sure to ask for offer number 9665. Once again, that's offer number 9665. 